So, you've heard of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, Ogopogo, another monster living in Okanagan Lake out west in British Columbia. But have you heard of New Brunswick's own lake monster, Old Ned? You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happened in your own backyard. The syndicated weekly newspaper column running across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McLean. So in southwestern New Brunswick, there's a long, narrow lake called Lake Utopia. It's between St. John and the main border. Story of the monster in that lake began with local legends which say that long ago, two Woolastook people were canoeing on Lake Utopia and were chased the entire length of the seven kilometer long lake by a sea monster. Much later, in 1867, as the brand new notion of Canada bickered over confederation, a group of sawmill workers on Lake Utopia claimed they saw an enormous beast thrashing about on the lake, measuring something like 30 feet long and 10 feet wide. Over the next few days, several other people saw very similar creatures in the lake thrashing around. But soon after, things went quiet. But they didn't go quiet for too long, because the next year, a reporter for the St. Croix Courier, which was then a brand new newspaper, it's still around today, claimed that when he and a friend were out fishing, they saw the monster. Soon after, in October of that same year, Harper's Weekly ran a story saying that the monster, or as they called it, the Wonderful Fish, was killed in nearby Passamaquoddy Bay, and they linked the Wonderful Fish with the earlier sea monster stories on Lake Utopia. While it was described in the article as a mysterious sea serpent, it was also described as having a dorsal fin and a flat tail, both of which sharks have. The Harper's Weekly article included a picture which was an artist's illustration of the sea monster, which looks like an enormous shark with dog-like legs. This bizarre, wonderful fish in the Harper's Weekly article was probably a basking shark. Basking shark is the second biggest shark in the world, and it looks pretty terrifying, but it's actually harmless. Well, harmless to everything but plankton, which is all it eats. They're big and slow-moving and lethargic, Sure, it has hundreds of teeth, but they're all tiny little teeth. To eat, it opens its mouth wide and scoops up tiny plankton, like a giant sea vacuum cleaner. But what of those dog-like legs? Well, to mate, the male basking shark has two claspers on the lower side of its body, which are more or less twin penises, and which potentially could have been mistaken for legs by the Harper's Weekly Illustrator, After all, the illustrator's mind probably didn't leap to a shark having two penises. Basking sharks used to be relatively common, but not so much anymore, and they're currently on the endangered species list, partly because their fins are apparently pretty tasty in soups, and partly because they're seemingly pretty unperturbed by boats getting close to them. And so, it seemed that while that was the end of the Lake Utopia monster, because it wasn't heard from in a while. But five years later, another group of Willistook people were canoeing and claimed to have seen a monster with a large head and bloody jaws following their canoe. In the days and weeks after that first sighting, 
Several other people saw similar sights of massive creatures in the waters of Lake Utopia. It seemed that after half a decade, the Lake Utopia monster had somehow returned. After a second busy summer of thrashing around and frightening people, sightings of the monster sort of tapered off once again. 20 years later, legendary botanist, historian, and cartographer William Francis Ganong interviewed people who saw the monster that summer. This Ganong guy is super interesting on his own. You see, since he was a child, Ganong had been taken with the natural world and eventually refused his family's desire that he take over his father and his uncle's famous chocolate business in favor of studying plants and animals. Ganong was actually super successful in this. He traveled the world. He started important scientific publications and wrote key papers that helped explain our natural world. Oh, and he got a job teaching at Harvard University. So this one summer, Ganong, who spoke five languages, including Woolastook and Mi'kmaq, returned from Harvard and interviewed those who had witnessed the Lake Utopia monster 20 years before, and he recorded this description of it from eyewitness accounts. It was dark red in color. The part showing above the water was 20 feet long and as big around as a small hog's head. It was much like a large eel. A hog's head, by the way, is a barrel. It's not actually the head of a pig. So what was the Lake Utopia monster? Well, it's quite possible that the Lake Utopia monster was indeed a giant eel, just like Ganong suggested. While no giant eels have been captured in Lake Utopia, it's hypothetically possible that a freshwater eel could grow to a really big size, especially in a lake with lots of tunnels and deep canals in it like Lake Utopia. Even if we account for some exaggeration and misremembering about the size of the monster, it is true that certain types of eels can be pretty monstrous themselves, like the conger eel, which can grow up to three meters long and weigh 300 pounds. Conger eels mainly live down south, around Florida, but they also live as far north as Cape Cod and have been seen by fishermen around Nova Scotia from time to time. Conger eels are really aggressive. They've got this snake-like head and lots of teeth. Uh, a weird conger eel fact is that they have been seen swimming on their sides, resulting in their body appearing as these humps that move in the water as they swim. Problem though, is that they're not freshwater fish. So they would not live very long in a lake. However, two conger eels were found dead on the shores of Loch Ness, which is also a freshwater lake connected by tunnels. So perhaps the eels wandered into the lake only to die? In any case, if the Lake Utopia monster were ever real, it is unlikely to still be alive today, as certain historical circumstances made its continued survival through the Second World War pretty unlikely. Okay, so get this. There's these six islands in Lake Utopia, and the sightings of the monster were consistently close to one particular island. So it seems, it seems fair to assume that this particular island was the monster's home. Now, the places in Lake Utopia are named very literally. For example, Lake Utopia is home to the world's second deepest natural freshwater canal. But the locals, not to brag, have named it simply the canal. The remarkably literal meaning of places on Lake Utopia is not unique to the canal. 
The lake has six islands, and they're all named like that. One of the six islands is bigger than the others, and so it is named Big Island. Another island, it's not very big, so it's named Small Island. Another island has spruce trees, so it's named Spruce Island. Another one had ducks living there, so they named it Duck Island. And one's long and narrow, so they called it Long Island. The sixth and last island, however, that's the one where Old Ned, the Lake Utopia monster, lived. And it is called Cannonball Island. And its name is also very literal. You see, during the darkest days of the Second World War, soon after France had fallen to the Nazis, and as the Battle of Britain raged, the Commonwealth was in desperate need for pilots to help stop the Blitz. In order to help out, the Canadian government developed a plan in which tens of thousands of pilots from as far away as Australia and New Zealand could come train in Canada before being shipped over to Britain to fight in the war. More than 133,000 Allied pilots were trained in Canada as part of this massive undertaking. Hundreds of buildings and dozens of military bases were constructed to train these pilots, and one of them was close to Lake Utopia. This Air Force base, called RCAF Station Penfield Ridge, was specifically built for the war effort and had 40 different buildings there, as well as its own private internal telephone network, which was pretty fancy for its time. Penfield Ridge, you see, was not just for any pilot training, but specifically for training bomber pilots. And naturally, one needs practice to perfect one's craft. And dropping bombs was no different from anything else in that regard. The pilots couldn't very well go dropping bombs all over New Brunswick. So one specific target was chosen to have all the practice bombs dropped on it. Some of which were actually live bombs. And that site for target practice was Lake Utopia's Cannonball Island. Old Ned's home. So, if there ever was an enormous eel, or a sizable shark, or even a wonderful fish in Lake Utopia, it seems that four years of constantly being bombed by the entire commonwealth would have probably been the end of it. There have been a handful of alleged sightings in Lake Utopia Monster since the war's end. But these are few and far between, nothing like the dozens of back-to-back -back sightings around Confederation and again in the early 1870s. Whether or not there was actually a monster in the lake is unknown, but it seems to have gone silent now. The massive wartime Penfield Ridge Air Force Base has also long gone silent, having been abandoned even before the war finished. The Canadian pilot training program was such a success that by 1944, the number of Commonwealth pilots vastly outnumbered the number of planes that were available for them to fly. And so the program ended. The runways where planes took off to bomb Lake Utopia to train those thousands of pilots to go off to Europe and fight the Nazis are now used to dry seaweed in these more peaceful times. <laughs>